How's it going, everybody? Thank you for tuning in. And do me a huge favor. Go and subscribe on whatever platform it is that you listen to the show on. If it's Apple, if it's Spotify, if you're listening on Amazon or Pandora or any of the other uh, awesome podcast applications that you catch this show on, go and subscribe. And if you can leave a comment, do me a favor and leave a comment. Let me know where you're listening from and let me know who your favorite guest is so far. And if you have somebody else that you'd like to listen to in the future, let me know. Maybe I'll surprise you and uh, you might just see their name pop up in the show list. My guest today is a friend of mine and he's been on the show before. And the first time he was on the show, we talked a lot about chess. Uh, he at the time was a youth chess coach and he was, you know, possibly entertaining the idea of expanding on that and creating his own platform where he could teach others uh, some of the things that he's learned about chess and ways for them to train and get better. And he did that. And so he now has an Instagram page called at the chess zone and I'll tag it on all my stuff, but he's sharing a lot of his, uh, his ideas and his secrets and ways that he's improved his game. And we talked about that among a bunch of other stuff. We talked aliens. Uh, we talked McDonald's. We both worked at McDonald's together, believe it or not, like years ago and kind of how that whole uh, experience was different for both of us. And uh, this is a really fun conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. Give it up for my guest, Chad Ambrose. But before we enjoy this episode, do me a favor, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee. And if you didn't buy any action to this point, you need to go to drinkaction.com and that's action with a K. Use code word curious and you'll get 15% off anything that you order on the website. That's any of the specialty coffees, whether you like a whole bean, a pre-ground, or you drink it in a K-cup form, or you're looking for natural supplements. Uh, I just got done talking with somebody about turmeric and the power of curcumin, CBD, if you're an MCT person. We've got it all, and there's more products on the way. You could also find Rumble Time, which is an exclusive specialty roast coffee in partnership with Anthony Rumble Johnson. So do me a favor again, guys. Go to drinkaction.com, use code word curious, get yourself some coffee, buy some for your dad and your mom, and grandma and grandpa. They'll all like it too. Tell them I sent you. Use code word curious, save 15%, and enjoy this episode with my buddy, Chad Ambrose. Thank you for taking some time and coming back on here. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, glad to be. Glad to be. Yeah, you know, you're the second person to be a multiple time guest. <laughs> well, I know the first time we we got into some deep stuff, so maybe I can this time maybe smooth the waters out a little bit. I probably confused a lot of people. <laughs> it's all good. I get a lot of honestly, a lot of people reach out to me about that episode. It's one of like the top 15 downloaded episodes that I've released. Wow. That's great to hear. Yeah, I I share it wherever I can whenever it's appropriate because I, I, we definitely hit on some good good stuff in there. It's always we had some good bits that really I, I just can't even it just sort of comes out when you're talking sometimes. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Well, I'm not going to make it easier for you today. I know uh, <laughs> we 
we chatted a little bit via message and um, I, I definitely want to dive into the whole, you know, McDonald's conversation. I think there's some interesting stuff to share there. And I, I really want to find out what you've been doing with chess zone. I know last time you were on here, we were like talking about you doing more from a promotion of yourself and, and kind of trying to like generate some thought leadership in the space beyond what you're currently doing. So yeah. Well, I can dive in there real quick. That's a good story to, uh, to you know, give me, give you an update on where I'm at and how sort of the things have changed since uh, I last talked, because that was about August, I think we were talking then, or so it was at least summertime. And since then, when fall hit, I got back rolling with my chess coaching with just my normal, uh, you know, where I'm sort of an assistant coach, but we did the virtual setup uh, since it was everything, all the kids were at home. Uh, we weren't to coaching after school or we were still after school but in the virtual setting uh, but I was finding just that I was playing a lot, had a lot more time to play all through COVID I'd been saving up games and I've just seen this whole trend on Instagram people are sharing all their games and I'm like I play games that are just as interesting as those all the time I mean getting all these interesting positions that are I think teachable that's why I you know for all levels really it's um, so that's why I started to, to share them because uh, additionally I had some count, some accounts reach out they had seen my page because I like all these pays, posts and I'd posted some chess games on my personal page so they wanted me to post for their page and I started to do that but it was a lot of like just small detailed work that I wasn't going to get paid for and I was like why would I I need I already have this whole scheme in my mind to help uh, share my archives because I got like I'm on like 20,000 games or so on bullet speed that I've played. So it's just so, so many that I've saved out of those that are worth. So I'm, I'm trying to pave the way for how to share your chess archives with the chess zone and then help other people do it who might not be as technically savvy to annotate the games and get the screenshots in the right uh, framing and everything like that. Because it's a little bit of detailed work, but I enjoy that. Yeah. So like before you had the concept to share this with other people was going back and analyzing those different screenshots and positions, something that you were doing anyways. Exactly. Yeah. I had, I have folders and folders on my computer from, you know, Oh, I've imported these games. A chess file is so um, minuscule on a computer. I mean, it's like a small text line of text. It's very nothing. So you can save, tons and tons of chess files and folders to and so that's sort of what my computer was becoming and I wanted to really get it in an organized way because there's there's sort of a, a pattern that emerges based on things that I've discovered through my personal growth in chess where now I play in a, in a way where it's where I'm playing against people who are playing at a very high level also and we're just playing really really fast so it makes things interesting and exciting but it also if you then go look at that, look at, okay, here's how it goes when you're playing super fast mode. Now go slow-mo at that same thing, kind of like what software programmers call debug mode. Uh, when they're building software, you kind of go in debug mode on your bullet games and you find what the grandmasters were looking at when on these combinations. Uh, you realize why opening theory is important and you, so you understand the game at the slower level, you, you see the combinations that you miss when you're going so fast. So it's like you have these two modes in your brain that you get to compare to each other. It's really 
I think an excellent way to train yourself is to have one and then, and then you can sort of uh, move parts from one to the other as you feel more confident in them. So, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's similar to the way that I've learned how to play guitar. You know, I, I don't read music very, very, very little. I can read a little bit of music, but I initially taught myself through just listening. And then as technology increased, it kind of became, Hey, let me watch YouTube and see if I can, you know, identify things on YouTube. And then from there, there's, um, you know, applications. Uh, there's one called Songster where it'll break down the tablature and you can slow it down to 25% speed and to 50% speed and work on and practice small segments and then slowly piece it back together. Right. And before you know it, when you're playing at full speed, you know, it's not so difficult and you can actually increase the speed. So you can practice it at 150% so that when you slow it down to a hundred percent, it doesn't seem so fast anymore. So no, that's, that's, yeah, that's very similar then. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's like a chess game's like a song, you know. So I'm just sharing one little bit that I find I've, I've perfected this one little piece, but I'm no mm -hmm. grandmaster yet. You know, I keep dreaming of being one, but when I play in the tournaments, I always find a mistake too. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how technical and beautiful it, it all can be, though. When just just having a skill, doing something that's kind of difficult, just makes you want it. it, it I don't know, it triggers something in me that just makes me never want to stop. It's like, I can always get a little bit better, always a little bit better. Yeah. Is there, so like walk me through, uh, you know, a Tuesday night. So you sit down, you open up the files, like what's, what's, uh, what's um, generating the direction in which you're going to go and practice that day. And, you know, what would then take place and, you know, just kind of walk me through the mind of somebody who's going to try to improve their chess game. Yeah. So for me, it's uh, my, so, th so there's a, th a thing called an opening repertoire and that's like, you're basically in chess, there's several s s sort of patterns that arise pretty regularly and you should have an idea of what your opening repertoire is. So Tuesday night, you, what I, I mean, I, I what I recommend for someone who's training is you would want to get down and have uh, sort of your game sorted in a database, which like there's things called like chess base and a bunch of free softwares online that most chess players can find. I use a free one that's called Jose that I downloaded uh, based on the famous player, Jose Capablanca. Uh, but so Jose is a great database where you, it's just, uh, you can move your games that it's it's all organized clearly so a chess game is like a list of moves so it'd be like d4 or one you know and then d5 or whatever like what you play each move and so that list of moves becomes like a tree and you just sort of follow the pattern of that tree and you say okay and then you select six games and you might say i'm going to go look at these six games that grandmasters played that had this three moves that I typically play because I always like to get my king pawn forward twice because I like to get my bishop out. These are ideas that are good. That's that's a normal idea in the beginning of chess and you should train on your opening repertoire to make sure that you're not just going out in there playing random moves. Have an idea from the get-go. Every single move should have an idea behind it and you should be building 
uh, so that so that you have sort of like a muscle memory even mm-hmm. uh, and that's when then so you so once you've decided okay i'm playing the king's gambit all night tonight it's a good opening it's solid grandmasters have played it in tournaments i've seen magnus carlson try it in his fast games i'm playing the king's gambit that's all i'm going to play tonight every time i get a white a game where i'm playing the white pieces i'm going to play e4 and i'm going to play f4 and go ahead and play all those games play 10 10 in a row just that's your that's your goal is to play e4 and f4 and see what happens after that and then you go back and look at your look at five game or say you won five lost five i would look at your five wins first five losses next that all could take you i mean to play 10 games of bullet that's two minutes a game so 20 minutes plus another half hour and you're going to have an hour of training in and you're going to be solid on the king's gambit if you go into a tournament that's three or five minutes per game or even 10 minutes per game you're going to be like have so much time on your hand that if you go in the king's gambit you're not going to make mistakes because you're going to get past the opening sequence and you're going to be all in combat looking for tactical combinations throughout and that's your beginner level training i mean there's way more strategy that you can have in the opening that 1600 and up requires you to understand but until it's not even worth trying to understand that top level 16 move deep strategy until you solidly get first five moves in every time you know that you're not making a mistake in the first five moves pretty quickly so you're mentioning like the e5 and like all the different terminology (laughs) are you able to comprehend a, a, a game or a set of moves if you were to just look at it written out that way or is it still different for you to like look at it on a board and actually see it take place and see the board in front of you for me i use um i can i can think out a few i can recognize the patterns and if i see a position and then you give me the continuation of a few moves i can usually do that it just in my head i can like look away from whatever i was seeing i can someone could show me a puzzle and say hey and then they could show me the continuation and tell me to recreate the board and i could usually do that if it's not too many pieces on the board uh but other than that i'm i'm mostly I i can maybe read a game for eight moves in my head and recreate it yeah i mean because it seems like it's having a a really good memory and recognition of patterns for chess is you know i guess i always thought like there needs there's a high level of intelligence that goes into the game and i don't think that's not true but i i can see and there's probably actually a correlation between high levels of intelligence and the ability to remember patterns but there's yeah there's that element of it there's but there's a psychological element that i think is more impactful of like you versus the opponent across the board when when you're facing uh in in person chess really sure. so explain that what do you mean by that uh, it's just uh, there can there's just elements of intimidation the way the pacing of the moves the like so if i play a move that i think's good and my opponent responds immediately with the best defense to it that's intimidating right but they might also just be bluffing and they might think that, that was a great move and they're screwed so there's like these there's like the okay. poker mindset of like you have to sort of not let your opponent know you made a mistake because mistakes in chess are really actually so subtle. So that's where the intelligence comes in. It's like, like there's patterns 
absolutely patterns and that's like the opening tricks like there's opening tricks that you got to look out for you don't want to get fall into some very common pattern that is uh sly like sly and cunning are like very real elements of chess players that some some players just love to trick you they would rather they, they don't care if they lose the game if they if they had a good chance to trick you into a, a bad position they'll try it so those type of you have to watch out for that type of play and because uh, people will exploit the patterns they'll see you it's so it's like as soon as you think someone's got you they can make a small deviation from the idea and there's typically enough time on the chessboard to sort of alter their plan and go another way and so it's like you really you have to almost get your opponent to buy into your plan on an attack enough for them to counterattack. Um, so a lot of that's why a lot of grandmaster games are draws uh, honestly is because like i get into situations where it's like grandmasters wouldn't have gone into these situations because it's uh, there's an obvious flaw at some point in there but to the uh, standard player who's just able to sort of think of the few combinations three or four moves in advance maybe then they're they're not uh, necessarily going to analyze and so it's it's just fun honestly to to if you play fast games because it's like you can lose or win like it some it can go either way some mistakes are usually fun they're portals of discovery i think is a good quote from someone yeah. have you have you ever made a mistake and then found a new route or strategy through making the mistake that you didn't know was there absolutely that's uh so that's that's my favorite opening actually is uh now the borg gambit is what it's called but all I was trying to do was play, trying to play the modern defense. So if you're sitting at the chessboard and you're playing the black pieces, uh, the pawn nearest to the edge of the board. So, so the, your left hand would be by the H file and your right hand would be by the A file. So I moved my G pawn up one. Typically that's a typical kind of opening for black. That's like you, it's at the beginning of the game. So you can always make that move safely. It's not a, real risk and then you can move your bishop to, to g7 the square that the pawn was just on that's called a fianchetto and that's uh, an element of several classical openings the modern defense the king's indian defense and a few others as well so i was trying to play that in a game but i accidentally was on i moved x the pawn two squares forward so i moved it because you can move the on its first move you can move the pawn either one square or two squares and that puts your pawn in a different situation and it creates a whole different dynamic for the game and pretty much the only good way to play it because that pawn, now you're sort of gonna have to waste time defending that pawn and white's already gonna have a large advantage. They can pretty much start attacking you really early in the game. So the only option for black is to counter attack. And so I love playing the board gambit because in fast games, white is not ready for a counter attack on move three or four. And so I'm just, it's it's a really exciting game. Sometimes it goes, sometimes it backfires. Sometimes my opponent is ready for it and they find a nice defense. But if they don't, it ends in fireworks. I take a, a rook off the board. They have to, they realize their mistake and they're frustrated and have to make play from behind for a while. And it gets really crazy and dynamic. So are some of those games 
are, are you able to play some of those games without them affecting your overall ranking? Because I know the, I'm, I'm ignorant to this still as far as the, the ranking system, but I know it has to do with winning tournaments and continuing to like, you know, I don't know, is there like a point system or. Yeah. So there's uh, several different authorities on uh, rating. Um, so the, the number one, like for, Ultimately, when we're ranking chess players and we're picking world champions and things like that, we're going on the FIDE rating, F-I-D-E, the, it's the federal international, uh, they're an international agency and they, they um, officiate tons and tons of tournaments all throughout the year. That's how people become titled players and earn their mastered titles and, and really it's absolute top level chess and sportsmanship is really important in those tournaments and it's you know that that's what we're that's like the queen's gambit's whole series where those type of chess tournaments those are those are basically feed age tournaments uh, for all intents and purposes but then there's chess.com is a fairly uh bad <laughs> source of it's a in in a sense that there's awful sportsmanship and their servers are really bad a lot of really good players lose games just because the server was bad and they in, in the moves uh, it's really dependent on your inter internet connection so it's not that good of a it's good for doing tactical puzzles and having fun and being a part of clubs great community on chess.com but it's not necessarily the best uh, baseline measure of a chess player's skill there's leechess.org which is a little bit more um, it's an open source platform so there's so it's they're stripped of ads versus chess.com, but it's basically the same amount of features. And those ratings, I think, are a little bit more accurate, especially for like uh, if you're playing in tournaments. A lot of clubs will host tournaments. I've played in a few recently where you can win prize money. You pay uh, through a website and then you get to earn that through that website, you get a password so that you can enter the tournament and earn cash prizes. So I think Lee Chess is probably the next best behind FIDE. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking like there'd be so much for me in the way that I learn, there'd be a lot of value in trying things that I've never tried before to see if I can discover new patterns. But if the detriment of losing a match to somebody was negatively impactful to my score then like I, that would be that'd be a hard way for me to learn because i'd always want to try to push the limits but at the risk of failing you know what sure. I mean? yeah and the, well and uh the, the nice thing is most tournaments you're are a lot of chess tournaments are swiss style tournaments so what that means is uh, everyone plays the same number of games no matter what so if you enter the tournament you're going to play if it's a six round tournament you're playing six opponents and so every time the winners will play each other and the losers will play each other and the people who, so if you have after round one, you have two points and uh, you're not going to play against someone who has five points. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, you know, it sort of separates itself out. So the competition still stays. So you get to rounds three and four, you might've got crushed in round one and two. You might've got mispaired against a really strong player who, who had a rating that in a much more experienced than a beginner, but you get to round three and four and these games will be more fair, even if you lost in the beginning few rounds, because now you're going to be playing against someone else who also was in the same situation as you and got crushed in their first couple of games because their opponent was too strong. 
that opponent moves now to the top of the bracket and will compete for the money. And over time, you can find where you can get in tournaments where it's bracketed. So you can play in the under 1100 bracket, or you can play in the under 1800 bracket, or the under 2000 bracket, as opposed to having to compete in the open section and have a better chance at some of those tournaments. So that's the, the way that chess uses the rating system to make it fair across all levels in most tournaments. So, so stratify it like that. So, so the best prizes obviously go to the best players, but you can still be motivated to try hard and, and do your best and not make any mistakes, even at the lower levels. Mm -hmm. but, oh man, it's so uh, you shared, uh, it was a shit a couple months ago at least uh that there was a, a match going on with magnus magnus carlson is that mm -hmm. his last name yeah and yeah. uh i i went and tuned in and literally from like the first move i was so confused uh <laughs> i mean when you're watching somebody at that level are you able to at least after the fact be like oh wow that was really intelligent or are you I mean, does it, does it lose you? And what's the level at which you can start to appreciate it when you watch it? Yeah, so I, w I had the same feeling with you that you probably had a couple years ago when I started to watch chess videos on YouTube. I was like playing a lot at work and on my breaks and things. And I was, you know, starting to get more serious about it. And I started to watch a few videos and I was very confused. I was, and, and but I, and then I was, there's some people that were trying to make chess lessons and whatever sort of uh video lessons and i wasn't getting a good understanding of it i was like i need to just practice more like i i think i'll learn more by playing and that i think i did learn more by playing and now after playing more for a year with the goal in mind that i wanted to be able to understand these chess videos i went back in i just sort of like i was like yeah this is too much i would and, and then now i come back in and i found that two things have happened my understanding has improved because I've been playing a lot, but also the quality of commentating has improved and there's good channels and better explainers. Magnus is not necessarily the best explainer. He's a little bit too technical. Uh, sometimes people complain that his, he, he just doesn't, uh, he sees too far in it for people. He, he skips some, he skips steps like in math. You know, if there's people that skip steps, Magnus skips steps for sure, and it frustrates some chess players. So Agad Mater is a good authority who will, he's probably the number one chess commentator right now. He posts all the time, A-G-A-D-M-A-T-O-R. And uh, he stays up to date. He When there's good games that Magnus plays or any of the top GMs are playing, he always posts about that. And then he has several other series that are worth going back and looking at, especially I recommend the Paul Morphy series, who is just an excellent chess player. Paul Morphy was like a young prodigy, early 1900s. Um, but so those games that Agamator explains really, I think, helps once you go through that and you sort of, get to have an appreciation of how he annotates while he commentates and takes you through some of the alternate variations that could have happened then you start to have a better appreciation when you watch other people who are doing it either live on their games while they're playing is a common thing that happens on twitch 
a lot of the chess players will play each other and then they'll be live or they'll uh, have a live match and then someone, two, two people, former GMs typically comment on the play of between two players so that they can, the commentators sort of give you their perspectives as a GM um, on what's happening. And that's a helpful way to watch as opposed to just watching the moves happen. It's usually too fast and a little bit confusing. So I find the Instagram post is typically the best way so far to share a chess combination because it's just a simple slideshow. Um, the videos are great. You have to just comment though. You have to, and you have to, so that's my next level that I'm working on yeah. to get to Agonmator's level to try to explain what's happening in these chess games. Cause it's really, it's just so much. And so that's where the creative process can overwhelm. Yeah, no, but I mean, you're, you figured out the, the secret, which is consistency. And it sounds like you have so much archived content that, you know, being consistent really isn't going to be a difficult process and you're constantly learning. So then there's, you know, fresh new stuff, which is really cool as well. I've, I mean, dude, I've, I was not like a chess person. I'm still not a chess person, but ever since I spoke with you, I've started to at least go back and, and kind of mess around with it and try to understand it to a little bit better level. And when you started to post all that stuff, I mean, it's really neat. And, and I can tell it's growing, you know, organically. And, and I can see the people who are engaging in it. And I can imagine you're probably getting a lot of stuff, you yeah. know, in, in the private message section as well, too. A bit, quite a bit. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you definitely planted the seed and, and, you know, gave me a little bit of uh, a kick in the butt to, to get my, <laughs> Put, put one of my ideas to work that I've had uh, brewing for a long time. And, but then additionally, there was, there is just that organic momentum. I might as well be part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, and then the Queen's Gambit whole, I don't know if you got to watch that Netflix series, but I, I mean, even if you don't play chess and you don't like chess or whatever, it's a good show. I mean, it's a good seven episode limited series. If you, you know, appreciate a story of an orphan child, becoming a prodigy i don't know it's pretty cool yeah I, I hadn't watched it and i was gonna ask, was one thing i wanted to ask you is had you seen it and is it like does it kind of like measure up to the you know the sport of chess yeah no they did a really well job really uh, good job with all of it uh the grandmasters appreciate all of this agree that all the games are fairly accurate for the time periods that they're trying to portray and the storyline just hooks you from the episode first episode you know you have like all series there's, there's some setup so you like have to like pay attention but once you get all the details of the first episode it's like you're just what happens next they got you um they it, it i think it accurately depicts the drama of a chess tournament and they accurately depict what i dream uh, like a, having a chess team and being a chess pro is like, you know, I mean, I, I, I've never gotten paid to be, to, you know, go try to win a tournament, but it, like, that's what I feel like if you're trying to go to a tournament, you want to be like a boxer who has like three or four people in your ring that are like getting you pumped, psyched up, like, and making sure you're on your crap. So, I mean, I would have to imagine, I'd have to imagine that even though it's a, an intellectual pursuit 
and you know there's still personality that's tied to it are there like who who's the happy gilmore type guy of of chess like is there a is there like a the wild guy and then you know like you look at every sport and it seems even if it's poker you can find the different types of personalities but i i wasn't sure if chess being a little bit more buttoned up was so so that's funny to say that there's a one guy i've been starting to follow a lot more often because he's kind of a wise guy is uh, anish giri he's a younger younger grandmaster i think he's from india um and he his youtube channel is a blast uh he always he's always pretty uh has this like sort of dry sense of humor that chess people just really seem to love which chess people is sort of a thing like we have our own sort of memes that circle around in our communities that are just really accurate for people who just play a lot of chess so Anish is a great commentator on that I'd call him the happy Gilmore but there's uh Hikaru Nakamura I always say his name wrong Hikaru um is one of the best blitz players and he's played against Magnus many times in top level championships, but his, his commentary is pretty good during his live streams. He's on Twitch all the time, like 20, oh, it seems like 24 uh, seven, but he's just always playing. And he had this like crazy game that I've been watching recently where he pre-moved every, which pre-moving a chess is like, you can tell the computer like, if this is a legal move, I want to make it automatically as soon as it's my turn. So, and you can have it set up so that you can do that for as many moves as an advance, as long as, so Hikaru did this for an entire game against Magnus, like, like before the game even started, it's a crazy video. I'll, I'll link it to you after the show. Yeah, do it. It's like a three minute video, but it's hilarious. No, it's, <laughs> but, yeah. So there's great, there's some great comedy that goes around on the chess Twitter back channels. <laughs> I'll have to get myself engaged in it. I'll try to share more. <laughs> yeah, please. You share all kinds of cool stuff. Um, speaking of which, you I think you you sent me a video. Was it? Um, it was like looking at Earth from outside the observable universe, and then it yeah. it like Good accelerates through. That was you, right? Yeah, yeah. I definitely sent that. I sent that to you, a few other buddies too. But yeah, that I saw that, and I was like, "What? This is like." This was like what I always wanted. This is like why I took astronomy class in college and high school all the time. I was just like, why can't I wanted to see movies like this in class? I wanted to make that visualization happen or whatever, but I never had the technical skill. And then to just to pop up on my Instagram feed the one day, I'm like, this is what? I was trying to find it again before I hopped on here with you, and I couldn't find it. And I'm like, man, I, I, if I'll check again, but if not, I might message you and have you send it to me because okay. I've. I've had that vision in my head, albeit different than that. I've, mm-hmm. I've had that in my head thinking when you have those, mo- at least I, I, maybe I'm weird, but I've had those moments where I try to like ex- extrapolate or extrapolate how much space really is and what it consumes. And, you know, you get to a point in your own mind where you just can't go any further, but that really did a great job from a vis- visualization standpoint. And it got me thinking about even more all the things that are happening. I don't know if you're following all the UFO commentary and dialogue. Not, not, not intently, but I definitely see most of the top news that comes about it. Yeah. 
I was just uh, reading again the article from Hawaii where that bluish rectangular orb was like photographed, videoed, and you know, reported to I think the FAA as well as multiple police phone calls. And it like dances in the sky. It's pretty dope, man. If you haven't seen it, you, you got to watch this video. And then it drops into the ocean, which is, is really similar to what Commander David Fravor said with the Tic Tac UFO, which is that it, you know, dropped down and hovered above the water and that there was something like underneath the water. And mm-hmm. when you think about the fact that, what is it, like 95% of the ocean is unexplored? Yeah, I know it. And it's like, that's vast. You, we could never, I don't know. And the, like, even if someone had, then they call them crazy because they're like isolated and there's no corroborating story because you're in the middle of nowhere and they can just, I don't know. Yeah. I th- but I, I think those videos are, I love seeing them. I, I don't, I just never have the technical skill to know a fake from a not fake. So I'm like, I've gotten frustrated because I, I trust it. I, I trust the people who do have the technical skill to differentiate it. But that's, you know, I just, I don't, I do not have that skill. So it's like, I always have to take it on someone else's authority. So that's, and that's where we get stuck in the mud, I think. Yeah. Any progress ever. So I was just watching too. There's, um, and I need to confirm this. I did as much confirming as I could, but during this COVID relief bill there there's a lot of provisions to all kinds of other things outside of COVID, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, everything from, you know, I think you can get cars for people in Egypt and all kinds of things included in this. But one of the cool thing was funding for a national intelligence program. But one of the stipulations was within 180 days, the national intelligence agency, as well as the secretary of defense have to release everything that they know about unidentified flying objects and paranormal objects that are, you know, out in space. I remember seeing something about the same thing. I would love to, I hope, I hope that's true. I, I think it seemed true when I read it, like how yeah. I was reading that came across that same type of information. I would, they should, it's, it's beyond time. We know that there's some sort of stuff. There's been enough people come out and talk about it. There's Netflix documentaries. Let's go. I mean, what any any secrets? I think let's clear the slate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It, it, I wonder though, right? I mean, watching how the world has responded to everything in the last year, what would happen? I mean, well, I guess we know what would happen because they did come out and say they found or they have in possession spacecraft that are not from this universe or not from this planet or something like that too, I think is what the Pentagon said. I know people who are listening to this probably think I'm absolutely crazy and out of my mind. No. So please go and go and Google this because I don't want to we'll take what was a, a like we'll on the rails conversation about chess and turn it into well, like conspiracy hey. row. But I think it's incredibly insane that we're look again, talk about COVID. I want people to be educated. People, please get healthy, exercise, take your vitamins, get outside in the sunlight, you know, wear a mask when you're around people, be kind to others. Don't be an asshole. But why are we not talking about the fact that all these UFO things are happening? And is there a reason why the government is deciding to share this information now as 
whether it's a distraction from what is happening or it's a really opportune time to share it. But then it's like, why are they sharing it? I, it just seems very strange that this is all happening. But then again, maybe it makes more sense than ever given everything else that we're watching happening right now. Yeah, maybe they've lost you know, control of the ability to suppress the information. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't think, I think that if the information is, you know, if, if there's a bad guy at the end of this information trail, I think that bad guy is suppressing the whole trail, right? So I'm like, that's my thing. I'm like, why are we suppressing this? Either we're protecting a, a select group of people who've done bad with this, conspiracy or we should just let this information be free i don't know it's it's bizarre to me that but i think they'll think that uh it'll cause too much chaos because people will people are already divided on being able to trust anything so like think about it right now right like there's already there's a separation of church and state right mm -hmm. and without getting like all political up i think part of that is God would be bigger than state and you could always kind of resort to God. And maybe that's not even, but to me that, that, that would make a lot of sense, right? That you can't, you need to keep God out of politics because you have to have politics that are just relevant to, you know, not supernatural things. And aliens in a sense are bigger. Like if there's something that's that intelligent and that much more advanced than us, that they're, you know, whizzing around here with technology that we can't understand. What at what point then does everything else just seem like that, that's just not important anymore? Like government, who the fuck cares, man? There's a gigantic spaceship with beams coming out of it, and there's like interstellar travel and all kinds of other crazy shit. That's you know, what like, I'm like. I would be. I would. I would already be jumping on to. Like, how do we, yeah. Like, why am I going to go to work today? I want to join. I was always on the merge team for sure. If there's AI coming on. So, but if there's, if they're already here, <laughs> I, I want to be on their team. I don't, I'm a peaceful, peaceful guy. I've always wanted to, you know, be the uh, one who will teach. I'll teach you guys chess. You guys teach me how to fly invisibly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, my hope is that it's not like Independence Day and I don't want to be one of the people on top of the building with the signs and like all of a sudden it just beams and explodes the building. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, that's probably more likely actually because they probably think we're fairly terrifying as an entire race since we send rockets across the lake with people filled. Uh, yeah. All, all the time. The big it, oceans, we just jump right across there they're like how do they send these planes across there why do they send their people it's so dangerous they put them in these rocket ships filled with gasoline <laughs> yeah if you had to if you had to, to to make a wager you know one one guess that by the time your life is over let's say you live a nice long full life into your triple digits you know so say another 70 years will you see definitive evidence and will the discussion be pretty clear around extraterrestrial life? Uh, I think so. I think either extraterrestrial life or uh, sort of, I don't know if you've ever gone down the transhumanist uh, 
realm where people sort of it's like uh become sort of a machine man merges with machine and we be so like leary yeah we sort of become flying machines of some sort with uh, and data machines mm-hmm. and we live eternally where we would almost download our that. downloading our consciousness into a machine of some sort i think i think the exponential power of the internet is we're just at the peak we're just beginning to start to tap into the power that we can use with computer code and internet software programming and applications i mean by the time i'm 60 my data trail unless i stop but who's going to stop me and i I don't want to stop so my data trail if i track and archive all of my activity for eternity and loop that around i can recirculate myself when they make hologram bodies in 30 years no i don't know i i don't no i mean it but you bet it begs a good question right it's it's that question like if you can assume that the future brings technology like indiscernible uh artificial reality that's you know indistinguishable from current reality if you can assume and understand that that will be possible at some point with the evolution of technology, then how do you know that you're not even living in it today? Fair enough. I mean, we, yeah, time is our biggest driving factor. We, we, we believe in our calendars more than anything else. Um, and our calendars have matched our seasons for a long time. But now the next chaos thing that we might experience of climate change keeps going is that our calendars stop matching seasons people forced to migrate and so, you're dude so you're messing with me because <clears throat> again i'm gonna make people think oh man justin's on drugs I saw, no look, look i'm not i'm just i'm just getting back to when the aliens come screw government government disappears absolutely because it's going to disappear no matter what because climate change and all that is is more powerful than any sort of intelligent system that us humans can build. So I'm more of, you know, just, there's all these, we can go as far out as we want. We can transform our human bodies into data machines. We can be holograms, but at the end of the day, earth is gonna, is really driving the ship here. Like the, the mother earth is a real thing and the trees and the plants are gonna either decide whether we stay here or not before another sort of quasi human intelligence form that we haven't identified in any sort of biological terms yet yeah uh, does anything to get rid of us we we go hard on earth i don't know if you know uh uh little dicky little dicky the rapper okay yeah yeah oh man He's got a great one. He goes right down the whole rabbit hole uh, that we just did on his rap of uh, uh, pillow talking, I think. I'll have to check it out. We go hard on Earth. (laughs) Well, I mean, and that's not even taking into account things like Yellowstone, which could explode, you know. Well, oh, man. Yeah, that's that's true, too. A natural disaster. I mean, that because if I remember my geology... And I took a little bit of, uh, in college, I took a couple course on the ev- evolution course, which was really interesting on like the evolution of the vertebrates, I think it was like, technically called. And man, that from, but to 
I remember correctly, it was a combination of volcano and asteroid all at the same time that took out the dinosaurs. So volcano could take us out. That might just, you know, I remember even in earth science at Bradford High, they're telling us, our science teachers, they're telling us, oh yeah, and an asteroid could hit any second now. Like it's a joke, you know what I mean? But it was like, it's true, it's a joke, but that's like what you, that's that's the world, the universe we actually live in. But I Yeah, well, I mean, that's what always just confuses me. There's like this level of calmness by like people who study space, yet there's such a lack of understanding to the point where maybe the the known and even some of the unknown universe that's out there is only a small figment of something even much larger that maybe has flexes to its life cycle that we've never been able to see, but that could turn the lights off just like that and only just be a figment of its magnitude, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I believe that's that theory has been articulated in mathematical terms even, I think, but, oh, yeah, I don't know how to, I've got all types of YouTube playlists that I save when I come across that stuff because I, I listen to it and it makes sense and I watch the video and I'm like, like I remember this one, Lisa Randall, she's a great astrophysicist, she talked about how we can see to the edge of the universe, but we can't see what's out beyond it. You know, I mean, like, so like we've, we've measured all the way to the edge. We just can't see what's beyond it. So maybe it's just a bubble. Someone on the other side of the bubble machine pops us and it's just a game and then starts all over again. Maybe it's a, we, we merge with the other bubbles. That seems to happen a lot. I don't know if you've ever had a bubble machine or whatever, but mm-hmm. fun at parties. Oh, the the possibilities are everything that we ever could possibly imagine a fit, just infinite amounts of time, right? I mean, and that's yeah. what fascinates me so much. And I, it, that used to scare the hell out of me. And now that almost makes me get up in the morning to explore a little bit more. Even though life can get mundane and repetitive at times. Mm-hmm. there's a part of it where every day I feel like I try to explore just another part of my brain and potential of what's out there, even if it's so crazy and off the wall. And I'm thankful I have friends and family who like allow me to talk about this crazy shit to them and exercise it. And sometimes I leave just thinking that's just crazy enough. It might be true. Mm-hmm. And then other times I'm like, what, what happened to me? Like, <laughs> You know, like what, what the hell, what the hell happened to me that my mind even goes to some of these places, but. Uh, no, you should, it's good. You, you should, I think it's most important to let it all out. This is, I think our, if, you know, if, if there's multiple art, if there's multiple life line, life timelines, and this is just one of them, like, this is the one where we're supposed to get everything out in the open. Like, this is the one where that, that I believe that fundamentally, I believe that's what the, buddhist teaches teachers even always meant and like that's sort of what ram das teaches who's sort of tries to bring the buddhism back to the zen west reality and it's like you gotta you got dark thoughts you got bad thoughts get them get them out deal with them don't hide them 
and, and then you move on or if you've got crazy thoughts or if you've got loving thoughts or you've got, uh, you know, you're obsessed with something, you know, you got to follow it, follow, follow it to the end or meditate it and see why it's, what, where's it coming from? And if and soon you'll find that it's coming from some desire and what's that desire? Is that desire something you want to have? And then all of a sudden it's like, you're on the track and you're just on good thoughts because you got to just keep getting them out. You just got to keep getting out. We don't know why we got a lot of build up and we just got to keep getting them out. Yeah. Yeah. Keep I moving think, forward. I think that's the scary part about that though, you know, is we live in a society right now where ideas have been weaponized in some cases. Right. And so I hope that we can get back to a place where there's an incentive for thinking outside of the box and not being fearful about having a thought, because Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference between having a thought and having intention. Right. And a lot of great positive thought comes through the analyzation of negative thought and the conversation of negative thought and the measurements of, of why someone got to where they are and, and having open dialogue that's free from scrutiny that, you know, I think we, we have to get back to a place where intent is the main form of, of understanding. And that's not to say like, look, there's, you have to be careful and you have to be empathetic and you have to have all those things that I think a lot of times is lost but I'm very fearful watching this assassination on free speech as it pertains to people who truly do just want to explore all facets of mind, thought, society, culture. And you can't do that effectively, in my opinion, if you have to be careful about saying things and the consequences of saying certain things could result in you being canceled you know, losing everything that you've ever worked for. That to me is just so counterproductive for our growth and recovery because we're in a bad place. Obviously, I mean, and if you don't believe that. We needed recovery before COVID hit. That's the first thing. Uh, So yeah, and then now we're going to squash out any person who wants to start a new channel or build a new following. Like that's, I mean, if every time, if we're going to, anyone starts to get some momentum behind them and then people you can't like i don't know cnn doesn't take credit for all the every bad thing and that that happens in the world but they broadcast on every bad thing that happens in the world so what the difference is it i mean we let us let people uh, sort of build their networks if they're good at it you know let people decentralize the journalism of the world is what i want to see and i want i want everyone to buy back into journalism again but buy from a specific subscriber who who's not cnn not anybody that we know i find a new brand that nobody knows of everybody should go find a new uh, you know news source that is consistent journalism and subscribe to them and pay them money every month to for that information that you get your videos that you watch and that you you know i mean to an extent you know i think that that would help change the information dynamic if we did find a way to buy back into the system because the advertisers just control everything mm-hmm. ultimately at the end of the day so who pays cnn bills uh, ibm or something you know what, what other ads come on when you're watching cnn i can't remember 
but I don't watch TV that much. I'm not trying to be that cynical, but yeah, no, it's, it's very true. It's, you know, and I, we can move off uh, this and into the, <laughs> the McDonald's thing, but I think it, yeah. I, I want to say this because I've had a lot of, <clears throat> I've had a lot of feedback for some of the conversations that I had most recently with Zach Moore right before the, the turn of the new year, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we talked a lot about COVID and just the shutting down of small business. And he's been very vocal about, you know, kids being back in school, you know, businesses being open. And, you know, for the most part, I agree with him. I think you have to be smart and we ha- we can't pretend like this isn't a real situation that's going on. There's a lot of people that have been affected, you know, a lot of people that have died, a lot of, a lot of people that have been really, really sick. My brother was sick, you know, and he still is feeling like foggy from it weeks after, you know, and uh, my mom, you know, works out in the healthcare industry in California. She sees it on a firsthand basis. So I know that it's real, but, and, and I don't, and I want to preface, I don't think that someone's cooking this up in a, in a boardroom. Right. But when you, when you look at this whole situation right now, and you look at it from 30,000 feet up and you see corporations like Walmart and Target and Amazon and, you know, all these other, all these companies that are, you know, heavily invested in, from an international standpoint, there's a lot of foreign money, whether it be in the loans that these companies are, are getting, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, you think even like the NBA, there's a lot of incentive for growing their revenue streams outside of the US. And so when you can't grow your business anymore for investors in the US and you have to grow into outside companies, and then you see places like the NBA getting, you know, behind uh, a, a communist country when someone speaks out against what was going on in Hong Kong, which by the way, like, Hey, you know, that just kind of disappeared. You know, the Hong Kong was trying to, you know, overthrow communist government. And the next thing you know, the, the world's in a pandemic and, you know, nobody's talking about that anymore and they're back under communist control. But I just, I want to tell people, and I'm not looking for, you know, you feel free to share, but I just want to state, open up your eyes a little bit folks and support the small businesses in your community because there seems to be a very strong incentive for companies who have an incentive to grow outside of this country because they can't grow anymore inside of it. And so I would say if that's the case, or, you know, even if you don't agree with that, go and support the small businesses in your community any way that you possibly can, because a lot of them are struggling and not enough of them will be helped and many of them will close. And I think it's the least that we can do is just go and find one that you agree with and go and support them. Yeah. So. No, absolutely. That's the world we need to care about most is our, our local, local area, local space and, and the people who, who are serving and working in, in the service industry to, you know, help feed their families. I mean, you gotta you know, give give the tips to your when you can, and buy, you know, go to uh, all the local shops if you if you possibly can avoid the major store. But they're everywhere, they, like McDonald's, which is sort of what we 
that's what we were going to get into initially was yeah yeah i love i, I love i read the I love my experience working at McDonald's because I have a, a respect for the people when I go through the drive-through. Like I, like I appreciate you so much when I have the chance to go through McDonald's drive-through. Like when I was a kid, I was didn't necessarily understand how convenient it quite was for that to exist. But nowadays, it's like, but they are everywhere, and or you know, there's some, there's a fast food place. They've got the entire map just covered i think i don't know it's it's all it's kind of incredible well it's funny because that's where we initially crossed paths i mean we're from the same hometown and you're you're a little bit younger than i am you went to school with my brother yeah and um i knew who you were but we didn't really know each other until we crossed paths and i think it's really interesting and i'll i'll share a little bit of a story because you were you were in high school at the time right yeah yeah I started that. Yeah, I was there from 16 until 19. Okay. So I think this probably would have been like in between. I think I was there when you were a senior in high school, maybe going into your freshman year of college. Yeah. Or maybe even the year before that. That's, I think that's what I remember too. I think, yeah, I think I was probably going, I was in my senior year, I believe, because I was working, uh, you were working day shift and I would come in at like two o'clock because I did the flex program my senior year. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because it's like, I, I think back on that, that time period in my life a lot. I mean, dude, when you talk about lowest of lows, I was at the lowest of absolute lows. Like, and, and I, I, I like think about that because this might not be the direction you're thinking about going with McDonald's. Right. But it's, it's, uh, I think it's interesting because you were learning about responsibility in a way it's like, Hey, okay, I'm in high school. I'm going to start making some money, you know, and and I don't know, maybe you had jobs before that. I'm, you probably were a very responsible person, but my point being, you were on the front end of that. Um, I had started a career. I was 24, 25 years old. I had, had moved away. I was living in the suburbs of Philadelphia and uh, I ended up getting a job at a car dealership. And this was in actually right around 2008 must've been right around that time frame, yeah. 2008, 2009. And life was good. It was like right before the big economic explosion. Um, and I bought a car cause I was working at the dealership that I should have never bought and was just, you know, living life, making money for the first time. And then the economy took a fucking massive shit. And over the course of like a year and a half, it just continued to catch up with me. And I remember getting to a place where I'd gotten some speeding tickets and I forgot about one of them and I was going to lose my license. And I was sitting at home thinking like, I'm working at McDonald's right now. And this is like my worst nightmare. I'm, I'm in my hometown. People would come in and I was like deathly embarrassed. I would like cover my face. Right. And I remember I got asked to come into the back and there were, I thought I was in trouble. And, and I'm thinking, man, I, I just try to like put my head down and work. I have a little fun. Maybe I eat some nuggets from time to time. Right. Drink a chocolate milk or two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, I was like towing the line because I just didn't want any fucking problems. I was, 
kind of like just ashamed of myself, you know, I come in there and they take me in the back and they're like, uh, we wanted to have a conversation and see if you wanted to enter the management program training. And uh, I told my brother and he started laughing. He's like, oh, they're going to make you a blue shirt. You know, like, oh, here we go. And I just remember being like, this is it. It was even worse. You know what I mean? I'm like, they, they want me to be a manager here and like make this my career. And if, listen, if you're working in career at McDonald's, don't take offense to it. It just was not what I had in store for myself. And I thought back to a conversation that I had had before I had moved back to Bradford, I was working at Buckle uh, at the King of Prussia mall. And mm-hmm. I had met um, these guys and this girl I've talked about it before I sold alarm systems door to door. And it really was like the start of me really figuring out who I was and, and having some success in sales. And it, I went back and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta find these people. I can't fucking do this anymore. And so I, I sent a message on Facebook to one of these girls and got connected to her husband. And I left and went to, I think Virginia beach, Virginia was the first, or, or maybe it was Indianapolis and started selling alarm systems and it, it changed my life completely. But I always think back to that. And I've actually shared that story as I've moved on further past alarm systems and, you know, into the startup world. And then I, you know, moved, worked at IBM and a bunch of different technology companies along the way. And people have asked me that question, like what's been the most defining part of your career. And I think a lot of times they expect, some story from, you know, when I was at a startup in, in Philadelphia, or, you know, just you get in this, these clicky communities. Right. And more often than not, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, Oh, I remember working like an eight hour shift and, and walking to work in my small, like desolate hometown at McDonald's. And I remember coming home being ashamed and just like wanting to sit down and watch TV and getting a phone call that they needed somebody to cover the night shift And I was so broke that I needed to like go back in at two o'clock in the morning and like cook breakfast sandwiches before people got up to go through the drive-through and, you know, knowing that I had to do it, no matter how embarrassed I was or how tired I was, it, it really started to define me. And it made me recognize things that I never wanted to recognize in myself. And that I was able to not have to recognize when you're growing up in a small town, playing sports and, and getting, you know, I'll, you, you get special treatment in a lot of ways and you probably actually miss out on valuable lessons of learning and having to fail because people don't want you to fail. And so that to me, not to go on this long tirade, no, but no, you know, I, I thought a lot about that when, when you messaged me and like, Hey, let's talk a little bit about McDonald's right. again. It, my head kind of went there and uh, you know, I think it's, it's important to share. No, yeah, and that is so. Yeah, and I sort of thought that I, I didn't. Under, I couldn't remember. Sort of, I knew that you had the alarm system, but I couldn't remember how McDonald's played into that, and whether you know you were in back in Bradford between. Uh, you know, I, I just didn't know your timeline on it. I couldn't quite put that back together. But I remember I, it does make sense to me that they would have asked you to be a manager because I always thought, like from whenever I came around, like. I didn't know you either. I knew of you. I knew you were one of the Jones brothers. I remembered, you know, from basketball and stuff. I kind of remembered maybe you had, but anyways, I was like, this guy's just, he seems like he's the boss. He's like a leader. Like you just, you have that swagger about you. You always did. 
even when you were, you know, you don't even mean to not like, you're like, you know what you're doing, but it's the thing. It's like you, so, so you're, I think you act intentionally. You have a lot of intention in everything that you do. And that just was like an, a leadership quality that people recognize. And they probably were picking up on that and that, you know, people also will follow you as a big thing. Um, and, and that's what they want in McDonald's out of their, you know, and that's why they then tagged me later, shortly uh, my senior year, I think I ended up, or I they had me in the management training program at some point. Like, I think I remember having to go drive to Salamanca and I could have taken that route all the way. I could own a McDonald's franchise, I'm sure by now, if I would have stayed and not gone to college and not taken out student loans. But it wouldn't have given me the life experience. I wouldn't have traveled around the world. I wouldn't probably have the confidence that I do to share my ideas because although you get a good mix of people in McDonald's and you build strong relationships, like, and uh, I don't know, you, you, you do get stuck in a sort of a cycle. It's a, a good feeling. It's like a small town happens in McDonald's every day, but it's, I don't know. It's it's redundant. And I think it's something that people should add into their life and we should cycle it through. It should be like a recurring sort of a rite of passage in life. You, how you a way to do your service to your community is to work those fast food shifts. Yeah. Uh, you know, you or something equivalent to that. You know, if you don't do the fast food shifts, maybe you do the grocery shifts. Maybe you do the cart duty. Maybe you do but all these things it is important that I think that there's enough opportunities and if we automate all of them away uh it, it's kind of scary i don't know what what what's the next step um so it's and, and then how can we transition the same concept of fast food into more healthier routes so that we're not continuously feasting this addictive the food's actually addictive i love it it's it's literally you you addict to it you can't stop eating it when you eat it every day like that was what i when i worked there every day i was like i loved it but i would eat it all the time it didn't make me sick by any means but when i stopped eating it then i would be like just eat cravings like you know i'm a person who smoked cigarettes and quit smoking cigarettes to to kick the mcdonald's french fries and i don't think it's possible i think it's literally addictive uh <laughs> maybe worse than diet coke i don't know um but you mix the two together but ultimately doing service to your community is good even if you you know if it's serving food however we got to do it it's so important and yeah and it's something that happens in local everywhere yeah and i think you know in i don't know maybe living in bradford in a small town there was more of a stigma because i I know going out to LA I'd go into like an in and out burger or even a McDonald's. And in a lot of cases, there's professionals working there. It's just, it's just another job, but there was just this mindset of in Bradford that when you've moved away and started a career and it didn't go well and you came back and it ended up at McDonald's that it wasn't, it wasn't like on the, the path to success at that point. No doubt. There was definitely a stigma, no doubt. But, but I think it's a false stigma. I think, I think that it's worse to not humble yourself and just, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Pay the bills, you know, 
if it comes down to it, whatever you got to do to get to the next level to keep moving forward and, and keep getting to a place where you have, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm all about not having a boss. I'm all about fire your boss mentality. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not easy to be a self-employed, self-driven person. But I think if you strive at it hard enough, it gets you there. And but But it's good to know that there might be a small gig to grab every now and then but if we keep shutting the economy down and we don't have small businesses it's kind of scary yeah no i I was looking at an elon musk quote the other day and it was uh if you take a look at your 10-year plan and you ask yourself and put together a strategy on how you can accomplish it in six months and just try to do that more than likely you won't but you'll be much closer to finishing it than you would have if you continued on the path of it being a 10-year plan. And I'm really trying to think about that in as many ways as I can. And, you know, I wrote it down at the beginning of the year and I got to say, I mean, we're, we're a couple weeks in and I already feel like I'm closer to it than I could have ever imagined. And it's like, how is that possible? We're two weeks in. Yeah. And it's because I wouldn't have even thought about it maybe once this year because it's, it's 10 years away and life throws enough at me to keep me busy in the moment. And so I like wrote it down on notebooks so that every day I'm thinking about that goal that otherwise I would have just continued to put off. And it would have been the 20 year plan, the 30 year plan, you know? Yeah, no, that, and that's, that's what's driving me every day. I'm, I'm posting a chess puzzle every day. That's I've, I'm just, I've committed myself to it mentally. That's, it's like a job that I have to do to myself. And then on top of that, I'm going to make chess video. I'm going to make a chess lesson every day. I'm going to find other chess videos. And some days I'm going to pump out 10 chess videos so that I can organize my course. This was my 10 year plan. I'm going to do it this year. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm with you. It's, it's time to accelerate. 2020 was a catalyst of, of sorts. Uh, use it for good if you can and if it's got you down like i i have you do have my deepest sympathies like i'm just optimistic person but like i like i'm not trying to put people down who are down now like and and can't get going like i get it it's freaking tough you know and then weather gets people down and that's legitimate too like it's hard to get stuff going in the winter it's hard to get motivated when it's cold outside it hit 33 in austin texas the other day yeah i saw there was snow I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. But you got to, you know, find something that motivates you, follow it. And, and go it's follow David Goggins, watch a few videos. <laughs> and if you're not, if you're not motivated, then you've got some soul searching to do. And you don't have to watch, you don't have to watch it every day, but watch it once or twice and, and get an understanding of the type of savages that are out there. And I promise you'll be motivated in the, at least in the moment. So I, I try to tune in a couple times a week so that I, I don't lose the edge, but damn, I, he is unreal. I, <laughs> I don't tune in enough. He's, but I, I, I'm maybe that should be something I should start trying. Push-ups is another thing I'm getting back into push-ups. I, I'm not a good fitness guy, but I'm going to do push-ups again. Yeah. 20, you, you got no excuse to not, not throw in some push-ups in your day, morning routine, if I can play chess, I can do push-ups. That's my that's my deal that I made with myself. Just 
<laughs> Whatever it takes. Yeah, there you go. So coffee blog still there. What's the website again? Coffeeforddessert.com. That's where I'm, yeah, I'm building that. I'm, I'm moving things around all the time. I got everything. That's sort of like an archive of all my social media. And then I'm trying maybe in the future convert it into newsletter type of a um, homepage for a newsletter as maybe, but, but in the meantime, I'm building chess, the chess zone there too. It's just really useful to have a blog to sort of get this stuff organized. Blogs are just, you know, they, they show you how to manipulate the internet a little bit better and it makes you appreciate a, a good website because it's hard to make one mm -hmm. <laughs> or I struggle, <laughs> but yeah, coffeefordessert.com. Uh, you can follow me there. I'm keeping it, try to try to keep it updated, but some pages you might have to message me to get a password because they're not complete. Gotcha. And then on social, I know the new, the chess zone is the dot chess zone, right? Yep. yep. The period chess zone. Uh, that's on Instagram and uh, videos are going to be coming to YouTube too. And that's just uh, the chess zone. So um, yeah, I'm going to actually have a video series where I go through all of my Instagram puzzles. So it's sort of a recursive thing. So if you like the puzzles, but you're a little bit confused, you're like, I still don't get this. You can come to the YouTube series and there is where I'm going to break it down a little bit further. And uh, we'll see, you know, how that goes. And that's my next project that I'm rolling out piece by piece. Excellent, man. No, let me know when it's finished. I, I can't wait to check it out. We'll do. We'll be, we'll be on my top list to see it. Yeah, keep and keep the videos coming. If you can, again, find that uh, find that space video. Oh yeah. I, um, and do you follow um, shit? What is it called? Just not your. Oh fuck! I wish I could find it. I'll I'll send you a link to it. It's um, it's like a video of real videos, or it's an Instagram page of videos and photos that are kind of just like crazy, and so. It's like photos from history that the the story behind them are really interesting. Um, but the thing that I was oh, thinking of stuff like that, it could, but I don't know, you know, I follow several accounts, so it could be one of multiple actually, that, that are ringing bells for me. It's, uh, like, let me find it here before I get off. It's, fine. it's become like my, my new favorite uh, Instagram page. There we go. It's called Just Another Day in a Crazy World. At Just Another Day in a Crazy World. And so like the most recent photo is like a thing of money. I see it. it, it 7.5 million dollars cash found in a storage locks and auctioned off for $500 in 2013. So it's just like random stuff like that. That's cool. I'm going to follow that. I have not seen this account. This is yeah. cool. But like, if you go back in it, um, there's a video of like a simulated DMT trip and like they just random shit like that. And it made me think when I was thinking about that uh, video that you had sent me. But I figured you'd get a kick out of this. I mean, literally once a day, I, something pops up in my feed with this where I'm like, you got to be shitting me. And I'll Google it. And every time I Google it, it's, I mean, they've been 
factual every time. So, which makes it even more fun when it pops up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. I'll, I'll be following that now too. Yeah. This one's uh, in 19. So this, this photo of this lady, right? Yeah. And it's uh, I'll leave everybody with this <laughs> in 1915. Essie Dunbar passed away from a seizure. Her sister was late to the funeral, and when she arrived, the casket had already been lowered into the ground. She demanded to see her, so they opened up the casket, and the dead woman sat up and smiled. She lived for another 47 years. What? Oh, man. That's... I, lo- I looked it up, man. It's true. It's, it's crazy. That's scary. Yeah, just another... Just another day in a crazy world. Go check out the Instagram page. It's pretty dope. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, man. That's cool. Yeah. I need a new, I need something new. Add something new to your, add novelty to your routine. Anything, anything I should be tuning into or anybody else should be? Oh, what if I do? Oh, yeah. Pog champs. Oh man. If you like chess, you just want some chess fun Pog Champs 3 is coming out, and they're, they just announced the lineup tonight, just like an hour before they, we got on here. Pog Champs 3, Hikaru Nakamura, who I was talking about earlier, plays. They set up a sort of a chess competition where the with celebrities, there's Logic, I think, is in it, Ryan Wilson. They're still trying to get Elon Musk in, but no, we'll see if the Twitter gods can make that happen or not. But yeah, look up Pog Champs three if you're like starting to feel this chest vibe. Uh, it'll be interesting this season. Pretty fun. Awesome, Chad. Thank you again, buddy, for coming on. And uh, let's here. plan on linking back up in a few months. See kind of how 2021 continues to progress. And yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be tuning in. I'm looking forward to seeing you continue to grow the the chest zone. Heck yeah, man. Go Bills. That's right, Bills Mafia. Yeah, baby. Let's go. Hey, take it easy, Justin. See you, buddy.